Welcome to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jay and with me here is B. Hello. Okay, tonight we are looking at a fairly recent case from Australia that has not really gained a whole lot of media attention, which I think isn't right as it's definitely strange. I think it's a case of police fobbing it off early though, that old chestnut that we always see. Yeah. Yep. And then by the time it appears, um, it really should have been looked at. They've already sort of moved on and made their decisions. We see this time and time again, unfortunately. So tonight we are talking about the disappearance of Sandrine Jordan. Now, I discovered this case completely by chance. Um, have you ever watched the show Insight? Yeah. I love it. Like, I'm, it's my thing at the I moment. I haven't. My old house, I was there for three years. I never plugged the antenna in. When I was living on the farm, I never watched the TV. I don't, I have, yeah, so I'm behind in the times as far as. Oh, it's a pretty old show. It's been around. No, I know the show, but I haven't yeah. watched, like, literally four years, I haven't watched television. Well, you're probably lucky in that regard. It's really great. Yeah, I don't really watch normal TV. I'm more just like streaming services because just yeah. like normal TV is crap. Um, but I do watch Catch Up sometimes for these sorts of shows and it's on SBS if anyone wants to go check it out. Um, it's a really, really good show because people come on and tell their own personal stories about whatever the selected topic is for the night. So SBS Catch Up app has got like 11 years worth of episodes. So I've been like slowly working my way through them. Um, I just love hearing other people's experiences. It's, I find it really interesting. So um, one of the shows anyway was about missing persons and how the family have been affected by whatever happened to that person. It was a few years old. I want to say maybe like 2016 or something like that. Interestingly, on the show was the parents of, remember Chantel McDougall, who disappeared with her daughter, Leela? Remember that case we covered in Nana? You know, yeah. the, the tiny cult one? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were on there as well, which was really interesting to hear their side of that. Mm. Um, another, Anyway, there was another family on the show and at that stage um, Sandrine was recently missing and it really looked like she had just simply vanished off the face of the planet. So Sandrine was 37 years old at the time of her disappearance and she was like one of those real free-spirited, happy, hippie-type people she lived a bit of a complicated life at the time um, as she had just recently ended a relationship and she'd sort of been couch surfing, staying with different friends and family while she was getting herself together and finding somewhere more permanent to live. She had three children, but they did not live with her. Sandrine had had some mental health issues, but mainly she didn't have a permanent home. So I guess, you know, multifactored why she didn't have her kids at that time. She loved her kids, though, and she saw them all the time. She would take them camping. She loved nature. By all accounts, she was a pretty good mum when she had them. So it's hard to know if she was experienced paranoia before she disappeared or if her fears were warranted, but she had been feeling like someone was messing with her at the time. Her laptop had gone missing. The radiator in her car looked to have been smashed, and she felt like her phone had been tapped. She told a friend that she was worried for her life and had considered making a run for it. So I guess like it's one of those things where without actually evidence that any of that stuff happened, we kind of have to say, well, maybe that stuff was happening or maybe she was just being paranoid. Mm -hmm. 
So it's July 13th, 2012, when she is last seen at her friend John Bergheim's house in Tomlinson Road, Caboolture, Queensland. Her mum had dropped her off at the gate. It was a big rural acreage, so big, long driveway. She wasn't intending to go into John's house, um, although we don't know whether she eventually did end up in there. There might There is suggestion that she ended up chatting to John at some stage there. But instead, she was going to get picked up from the gate by another friend, Bradley Ainsworth. But Apparently it is his birthday and he's going to pick her up and they were going to go to a Buddhist retreat, but by the time he gets to the gate to pick her up, she isn't there. Only her jacket remains slung over the fence at the foot of the driveway. Sandrine is never seen again. Now, very quickly, the police decide that this was a suicide, although there's no body. I don't know how you can just so quickly decide that with no body. There was no note and there was no evidence really. But hey, she's an itinerant woman with mental health issues who was going through a breakup, so it has to be suicide, right? Mm. So thoughts so far? It's not a suicide. Well, I feel like we've sort of heard this story time and time again, haven't we? Yeah. It's almost like, you know, she wasn't worthy of an in-depth investigation. Yeah, when you've got mental health problems, then, you know, you can just be, that just automatically puts you into a certain box but the reality is you can have mental health problems and not be suicidal you can have mental health problems and not be manic yep erratic and spontaneous like you can have all those things and not ever exhibit any of that sort of stuff so exactly and she was couch surfing because she'd just gotten out of a relationship and quite often when people get out of relationships you know they don't have anywhere to go they don't have friends and family well she obviously did have friends and family who could help her out you know what it's like you know Mm. you need help when you're sort of in that situation especially as a woman I think as well like quite often women don't have that ability like I know this is very stereotypical but it sounds like in Sandrine's case anyway she didn't really have that you know well-paying full-time job to sort of say okay I'll just go rent a place by myself you know Mm. They just often don't have those resources that men have sometimes. Mm. So I really think it just comes down to lazy police work at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So the police speak to the three men who last saw her during that day. So there's John, whose house she was at. There's Bradley, who was supposed to pick her up. And she also saw her ex-boyfriend Ian Connard, uh, sorry, Ian Cannard that day as well. Now, the police obviously cleared them all. There was a search of John's property, but nothing was ever found. So the police closed the case, um, but her family are like, no, we, we don't buy that. We just don't believe that at all. So, in, and this is kind of the point where they were on um, uh, inside as well. They were like, look, the police have closed the case. We don't, we don't believe it, you know. So in 2015, they decide that they've had enough and they go and actually search John's property themselves. And they also get permission from John's neighbours to search the bordering properties too. Now, they go to the back of John's property and they step onto his neighbour's property and immediately find a shredded purple material on a fallen tree. They search that area and start sort of excavating the area a little bit and then they find more of the purple material. They also find a bra and a green decomposed hippie bag. Now, when Sandrine went missing, she was carrying a green hippie bag, wearing a purple top and black pants. 
And the stuff was all rolled up in a black plastic sheet and rolled into a carpet. So sounding a little bit dodgy, right? Mm-hmm. Also found buried about a foot down was a pair of black pants that she had been wearing. There's also like some beer cans, a screwdriver, a pretty shell, which is the sort of thing that Sandrine used to carry around with her quite often. Mm-hmm. So the poor family, like, they must have thought, we're going to find her remains here, right? Like, they must have yeah. been, well, we're going to find her in a minute. They call the police who come and take the items off them and order them off the property straight away. The next day, 100 police officers were on site and they spent a week excavating the area. Now, it's not known if they ever found anything else because they've never said. I'm assuming they never found her remains because obviously that would have been in the media. Mm. Um, but they've also completely shut the family out. They've not told them anything. They have not said where the invest- investigation is going. It's just like, thanks for finding that stuff for us. Thanks for doing our job. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, thoughts now? Um, what a dick move by the police. Yep. This is her family. They have every right to be informed and kept up to date. I would be reporting them to whatever governing body mm. can report them to because this is just completely it's unacceptable really disgusting yeah I mean not not necessarily the whole shutting them out thing that is bad they should be keeping them abreast but you can kind of say well maybe it's because they you know they're doing the investigation and they don't want to get anyone's hopes up but the thing to me that's really disgusting is the whole they took five seconds to find what could be her clothes so yeah. why did the police not find all that because they didn't give a fucking shit and they didn't do their job properly. And yeah. probably that's partly why they're pissed off with the family and being so cold towards them because if a few people can go out and do their job, what's mm. the point in having police? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Either that or if it was her body or her items that was put there after the police had looked, I suppose we have to give them the benefit of the doubt there. But it does seem as though the attitude of this whole case was just... Eh, oh well. It just makes me really angry. It's, you know, very clear that this poor woman has been fobbed off as mentally ill and not worthy of an investigation. I appreciate that the police probably have to deal with a lot of emotional and distraught families when Mm. these sorts of things happen. And sometimes there are going to be families that will just not accept that their family member is gone. Yeah. But at some to some degree, you still have to listen to them because they know them. You hmm. don't. Yep. So if they're saying this isn't right, she wouldn't do this, and there's actually no evidence pointing to her doing that, then you should be doing your job and listening. Yeah. You're meant to be detectives. You're meant to... I know. And what just... police were to what police have become is just ridiculous. I think, you know, to say that this was definitely a suicide after finding all this stuff too, that's just no. Like, this, an inve- further investigation should have been opened, I think, because, okay, sometimes like, we've talked about this before, about how com- when you commit suicide, you can't hide your own body usually. But let's just say that there was some off chance that she was somewhere that nobody found her. You don't then take off all your clothes, wrap them up in plastic and a carpet and bury them, you know? Yeah. So it's very clear to me that this was not a suicide. But you've also got to treat the fact that she was dropped off at the bottom of a driveway. Mm. Anyone could have driven past. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that to me is the last person to see her alive dropped her off at the end of a long, long driveway. Yeah. Who else went past? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've said it before. Look, I've got all respect for anyone who wants to take on the massive task of being a police officer. But I think there's something really wrong with how they investigate some crimes, you know, whether it's a case of burnout from seeing what they see. I get it. You know, as I've said before, I've got close family members who are police officers and detectives. Um, you know, it's a shitty, stressful job. But and it is. And they don't get paid enough to do don't. what they do. No, they don't. But I think there are different types of people and different personalities and there are a lot of people that go into the police force for the right reasons Mm. but then end up bitter and resentful because there's all of this red tape and all of this these silly rules that they have to follow and then there are the other side of the other side of the coin there are the bad people that were bullied in school that were nerds losers or just have little man syndrome. Or were the bullies um, at school as well. Or were the bullies at school and want to continue on, you know, they just shouldn't be police because at the end of the day, police are meant to be people that you turn to when you need help. Me personally, I don't like the police. I don't trust the police. I don't feel confident in turning to them for help. Mm. Like as an everyday citizen, I don't. Like, yes. and, yeah, I know there are good ones, but they're, it's so who are you going to get you don't know yeah that's it and yeah I think that there is sort of individual characteristics of some you know, police officers like you said but also we you know, know we know some that are ex-police that are not good oh, people yeah we do but like I said I also also have family members that are and I know yeah and I know her and she yeah. is absolutely lovely and she is one of the good ones 100 yes. percent Yes. I also know another dodgy ex-cop as well. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, but also maybe it's the process that's flawed. You know, maybe there's criteria for which it crimes which crimes get investigated properly. Maybe it's too undefined. Maybe it relies too much on that subjectivity of the officers. Um, I don't know. Either way, this case was mishandled, I think we can, we can say. Yeah. So let's have a look at theories. Well, first, firstly, although we are mad that this was fobbed off as a suicide, just for sake of thoroughness, let's look at what evidence we have for that. Um, because no one's saying that it was 100% not a suicide, just that it should have, shouldn't have been written off as such, basically. Now, Sandrine lived an alternative lifestyle, something which I think mainstream people can sometimes be scared of or they don't understand it sometimes. I mean... I I can get into that hippy-dippy stuff. I go on spiritual retreats. I've been around these people a lot throughout my life, both around my mum and my dad. And for the most part, they're lovely people. You know, what what some people see and what I think the police saw in this case is an itinerant lifestyle, drug use, mental health issues, unemployment in some cases, and they just sort of see them as an undesirable. Mm. And I think this is what happened when the police saw Sandrine live this lifestyle and had experienced some mental health issues such as borderline personality disorder and she had depression as well. They figured someone like that must have nothing to live for. In fact, Sandrine loved life. She spoke about her kids all the time and she had just secured some more permanent living arrangements so she was looking forward to getting them back a little bit more often. She had a planner full of dates in the future and was on her way to a Buddhist retreat apparently. I don't know that there's anything to suggest that suicide was imminent here. 
but we have to say that, you know, it isn't always obvious and people are surprised all the time that these sorts of things happen. But in this case, I just, I see nothing. I don't know. What do you think? I don't, I don't agree. Yeah. I just think that she seemed like she was quite happy with her life. I mean, she had issues, don't we all? But, you know, she was making plans. And I think that's a key factor as well, is the fact. Well, that- yeah, if I ever go missing, I'll probably be just ruled off as a suicide <laughs> if they're going to go down that path. You go missing, we'll make a podcast. I'll make a podcast about it. (laughs) That'd be a very interesting podcast. (laughs) Finding (laughs) me. Don't find me. I'd probably (laughs) run away. I'd be the one that's gone to start a new life. Yep. (laughs) So moving on from that, let's just look at some suspects. Now, we really have only got the three guys who saw her that day. So let's have a look at them. First of all, let's look at John Bergheim. So we have items that could have belonged to Sandrine on his property, on the property backing onto his, right up near it. We have, yeah, that's a red flag. Yep. We have his account of her being there at his place and the account of her mum who dropped her off there. So she was last seen there. We know that. Mm -hmm. She'd been friends with John for a really long time and there are no accounts of issues between them. John was a very wealthy guy. He was related to the founders of, you know, the HEMA maps company. Vaguely. They're like the main maps that people use when they go out. Okay. Map things. So after Sandrine disappeared, John took off on an overseas holiday for a couple of weeks. And when he returned, he sold the property immediately. Now I know this sounds shady, but the property was actually on the market before Sandrine disappeared. When he got back and sold his house, reports say that he ended up not purchasing another house straight away and ended up being in like a sleeping rough situation himself it seems as though he kind of something happened and he just never sort of took took that lifestyle back up again and ended up sort of in the same lifestyle that she did so maybe a guilty conscience maybe he had a breakdown with grief over losing his good friend I don't know what are your thoughts on how good were they hey how close oh they'd been really good friends for for a long time they weren't dating there's there's claws for paws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, claws for paws, but nothing solid. Yeah, yeah, no. I red flag, obviously, how selling the property, but then he was already selling it. Yeah. I think how quickly it happened. You know, did he accept a lower offer because he just wanted to get rid of it? That's a good question. Um, going away was this a planned trip or? Yeah, that I'm not sure of. It just kind of looked as though he was just, already booked, or was yeah. it like a, or I mean, and also ease, that could easily be a, uh, things are a bit mm, bad, kind of bad vibes around this place at the moment. Going to yeah. head off. Yep. And, and he I, had money, so he could do that. Yeah, and I probably would be the same as well. Don't want to stick around for this. The not getting another place, and I don't maybe get a guilty vibe from that I get maybe like a trauma vibe yeah um would be quite traumatic if you'd lost your best like one of your best friends you know and she was last seen at the end of your driveway yeah yeah Um, it's like a laying low thing like oh gosh I don't want to be looked at so yeah 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 Yeah, I don't know I don't think there's much evidence wise I don't there's definitely flags but nothing that makes me go yeah definitely him I agree now, of course, we can't rule anything out, but I'm just not sort of seeing any real evidence, like you said. Oh, and obviously the, the biggest flag is the stuff on yes. the back of backing onto his property. 
Yeah, but then also it's like, is that a sign of guilt or is that a sign that somebody wanted to maybe put you in the shit? You know, like mm. other people can dump on your property too, especially if it's a big mm. one. Mm. Okay. So the next person to look at is Brad Ainsworth, with whom she was going to be going to this retreat with. It was his birthday that day, which is why they were going to the retreat. Now, in researching this, I came across a blog of someone who knew Sandrine named Peter Morgan. Now, it's interesting because when you sort of look on the surface of this, and it might be representative of the police not really looking into people too closely, um, because the narrative that's out there as far as the media goes is like, yeah, he was going to take her to a Buddhist retreat. It was his birthday. When he got there, she wasn't there. So that was the end of the story, you know. And I wonder whether or not the police looked into that any further because we've got Peter Morgan here who's, like, got a whole blog about this. She was friends with Sandrine. Now, Peter said that Sandrine didn't really have a great relationship with Brad and that he was one of those guys who sort of played mind games with her all the time. I'm not sure whether or not they ever had like a romantic relationship. It sounds as though it could have been a little bit sort of on and off um, or if they were just friends. But he sounds like he was just one of those guys that sort of liked to manipulate. Mm. Peter actually showed her messages between her and Brad from that morning. So if they're to be believed, we have evidence there. He basically accuses Sandrine of of heaping her own issues onto him and upsetting his mental state. He's angry at her for coming to him for help and then not listening to his advice. The messages are scattered, full of drama. I guess they're open to interpretation. Um, What I get from them, though, is that he's angry at Sandrine, kind of like semi-threatens suicide, you know, directs a lot of vitriol at her. And he also says that he's going to go talk to her that day and get the whole story, whatever that means. Now, this is the day that Sandrine goes missing. Now, if he's had this fight with her and he's not happy with her, would she be really going to a Buddhist retreat with him, you know? So he said he's going to go and sort her out that day and we've got that in text message if they are correct. Now, Peter states that it was actually Bradley who drives the whole crazy drug addict narrative and that she never actually saw anything like that in Sandrine. Now, according to Peter, Bradley was spoken to when Sandrine disappeared And police found a replica gun in his car that looked extremely lifelike. He told Peter that he had it so he could scare people if he needed to, whatever that means. Um, Also, there are photos of Bradley at his birthday party that night. So he was going to be going to this retreat. He was going to be having a birthday party. But he actually got there right before midnight and nearly missed the entire thing. Now, he was meant to pick Sandrine up at 5.30 p.m. And the retreat is about 50 kilometres away which would have taken like half an hour. So where was he for those six hours? So we're starting to get into a bit of question mark territory here. Mm. An alibi has never been obtained by police or anyone else. And also only a few days later, Bradley deleted all of his photos of her from his Facebook. Now, he also seemed to get rid of his van, which he essentially lived in at the time, and nobody has seen it since. She also told her mum a few days before she went missing that he had tried to persuade her to join him in a suicide pact. So I have to say this is one person's story. Nothing else, there's no solid evidence here, but if it's correct, this is something to think about. So what do you think? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a lot. What the fuck are the police doing? I know, I know. 
he's the person that's meant to pick her up. He doesn't. He sells his van. He deletes all evidence from of her from his life. They have threatening messages. Mm-hmm. He has allegedly talked about a suicide pact and they get no freaking alibi from him. I know. I know. There needs to be, I know that there is whatever they're called, I don't know, but there needs to be police that investigate police. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like we don't even know whether the police knew about all this. Did they talk to Peter? you know, about her messages? Did they talk to her mum about the fact that he wanted to do a suicide pact? Did they know all of that and just fob it off or did they just not do their job and go and find this information, you know? This is sort of like goes down the path of like the whole journalism thing where there's all these um, journalists that went and studied journalism Mm -hmm. um, and they're getting all pissed off with all of these so-called self-described journalists. That's Mm -hmm. because they're actually doing journalism. Mm. They might not have a fancy piece of paper that says I'm a journalist, but they're actually going out and investigating and finding out information and talking to different people, which is what the police should be doing. So when Joe Blow on the street is going, this isn't right, I'm going to go look into this and Mm. finding out more information than you, it's not a good look. No, it's not. And that's why they don't like it. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I know. This whole thing is just it's really upsetting and I'm, I'm no doubt that this is why the family is so upset about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm Look, angry. I'm, yeah, I'm angry for them, yep. Like I said, nothing's proven, but, you know, it just doesn't look good for him, basically. No, nothing is proven, but things have been said that should be looked at and should be looked at well. He just sounds so much like one of those abusive, narcissistic asshats. Yeah, he doesn't sound like a nice person. Why yeah. would you want to continue? And I don't know. You probably need help and you're lonely. But also if she's got like BPD, she might have her own issues. And, you know, people of course, are, yeah. they do sort of find other people like them and they kind of bounce off each other. Yes. Like- I know. It's just so sad. If the messages between him and Peter are true, why would Sandrine want to go with him? That's what I was about to say. Like, obviously, you're you're messed up and you're feeling pretty low. Life's not kind of where you want it to be. So, you know, you'd made plans with this person. But as soon as someone starts talking to me about a suicide pact, I'd be like, yeah, nah, I'm out. I'm out. See you later. Bye. Yeah, it's very, very weird. So, so yeah, let's put a pin in him, I think. So, next we need to look at in Canard, her um, ex-boyfriend. It sounds like it was a pretty toxic relationship. She told people that she was scared of him and actually feared for her life right before she went missing. She had felt someone had sabotaged her car as well. Yeah. I really couldn't find anything else about Ian or their relationship though. So to me, there's just like nothing we nothing solid, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, so I yeah, we I can't even really say anything about their about whether or not he's a possibility. I, of course he's a possibility, but there's just nothing else there to go on. Yeah. And then finally, we've got the old theory of the she did the old walk off. Mm. Um, I mean, how many times have we been here? We have said time and time again that it takes planning, takes money to start a new life, and yeah. I don't see evidence of either. Yeah. Uh, then why would her clothes and belongings show up in the bush like that in, on someone's property? Yeah. Um, also, her bank cards were never touched again. And, you know, we know that she doted on her kids. So, you know. Yeah would have been a big thing you know so I feel like if anything maybe having BPD she had an episode but usually you kind of come out the other side of them 
Yeah, I agree. And by all accounts, it doesn't sound like she had that sort of stuff going on anyway, like not like a history of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just don't think that she had the resources to disappear like that unless there's a whole side of her life that we don't know about, which is also possible as well. So there's a few more bits and pieces we need to talk about in this case, some weird stuff. So not long after she disappeared, a letter was sent to her ex-boyfriend, Michael Buller, and it had been sent from Horsham, Victoria. It was written by the pseudonym Rosella Bunton. It had a lot of intimate details about Sandrine's life and basically told Michael to just forget her and move on with his life. Forensics couldn't ascertain who had written the letter. So I don't know where this fits into everything. Um, I don't know whether this is her not being dead and writing it to him or sending it, you know, and it just not getting to him until after, or if it's someone trying to cover up the fact that they've done something to her, which I probably think is more likely. Yeah. Um, Another weird thing that Sandrine's sister, Christine, had told police is that she'd gone missing before she'd gone missing um, is that she said that she had told Christine that she'd sent an email to the wrong person. Um, okay, we've all done it. We've all sent the wrong wrong person an email. I don't know what was in this email, but she seemed really upset about it. And also Christine that said that when she went missing, um, she'd like got her laptop and she'd opened her emails after and all of her emails had been wiped. So to me, this is nothing concrete. So it's hard to sort of put a finger on exactly what's going on here. But I feel we can probably claim a little bit of shadiness. Mm. deleting all your emails that's weird I think Mm. Um, or somebody else deleting all her emails maybe Mm. so what do you think happened to Sandrine I think it was the friend yeah Bradley's looking dodgy I mean we don't have any hard evidence or anything but if Peter is correct then we have a lot of circumstantial evidence here I 100% disagree it was a suicide so it really upsets me that that was like there was a coroner's inquest and that's what they found so, you know, that's just, I don't, don't understand how you got here. Like, keep it open. Keep it open if you have to. But you've got to have evidence of a suicide if you're going to call suicide, you know? Mm. It's just lazy police and investigation work to me. Mm. Also, the fact that this case is not well known upsets me as well. Like, I feel like this is something that people should know about. Unfortunately, it did happen right at the same time as Jill Ma, who was attacked, raped and killed on her walk home one night. After, um, from after work drinks and also she was of the right nothing against Jill but she yeah. fell into the right category of woman she was just she was just coming home from work she was successful she was her husband yep yeah and also at the same time Alison Baden Clay who was killed by her husband as well so they were both cases that got massive media attention you know, like it's just, as you said, shows well-to-do married women versus itinerant hippie. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty much what it is really. Mm. I love that they say that, you know, well, people seem to think that we don't live in like a class system. Oh, of course we do. We're no different to like India. Yeah. If you're born into the right family, if you're born into the right career, be doing the right things in your life doing the right things in your life making the right decisions maybe not so much the being born into it but yeah yeah um and it's you know it's you see it all the time your past can be used against you so yeah for sure Mm. for sure so yeah I think um uh luckily well 
positively, not that probably anything will come from it, but the family are appealing that coroner's finding. So, you know, I think that we need to make noise about this case. I think yeah. that know that just, just finding those clothes alone should be enough, really, you know. And apparently yeah. they did do DNA testing on the clothes, but nothing came back. But they've been out there for years in the weather. Yeah. You know, that's not going to be the case. So, yeah, so watch this space, I guess, and I'll keep my eye out on the coroner's reports and see whether or not anything changes. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to change the fact that somebody has probably done something to her and gotten away with it, unfortunately. Sounds like it. does. Everyone let us know what you think and um, we will see everyone. And if you've heard anything about it. Yeah, that's it. Did you actually hear this? I wonder if it was like something that was in the media in Queensland, but nowhere else. I'm not. It has to have been in the media in Queensland. I know. It has to be. Yeah. Because, you know, you want to be putting out. Have you seen this woman? Where was she found again? Caboolture. Where was she? Sorry, where was she? She appeared from Caboolture. Where is that? Uh, Queensland. Yeah. Well, obviously. (laughs) Hang on. it's kind of on the coast, in in a little bit from the coast, just up from Brisbane, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, let us know if you've heard about it, what you think about it. Um, and, yeah, otherwise, we'll see everyone next week. Bye. Bye.